real commitment that we've made together as a fellowship. Wednesday nights, I've been teaching lessons on prayer that uh, I thought were really going well. I was having to work hard on Wednesday morning, Wednesday night to get everything stuffed in. And in fact, I had to be told, slow down a little bit. Let us, you know, be able to fill in all our blanks. And I just, I thought I was doing so well. I've had so many good remarks from folks about different messages and what they said to them and what they spoke to them. And and I was just feeling so good about this series of messages. And then I got a text, not just a text, from my sweet wife <laughs> who sent me this just the other day. <laughs> and what you can't see on the bottom is this. On the bottom it says, there is a fine line between a long sermon and a hostage situation. <laughs> That's enough of that picture, Jim. <laughs> That's the way life is, isn't it? Something comes along and it just kind of turns things upside down on you. You know, you just feel like, well, I thought I knew what was going on. I thought I knew how life worked. I thought it was all going my way. And then this happened. The truth is, these days, sometimes we feel that way about the world in general, general, don't we? We feel as though somebody's turned the world upside down and it seems like everything that used to be right is wrong and everything that used to be wrong is right these days and we're being told this is what you should think and this is what you should believe and if you're not like me, you're not right and we live in a messed up upside down world, don't we? Every day it seems as though if you read the headlines or turn on the news, you find something that's going on somewhere. It may be something going on in our life and, and our world. Culturally, it may be something going on in our life. Socially, it may be something that's going on in the world internationally. But you just know it all seems wrong. I, I told someone a few weeks ago, I said, you know, I think we live in a world that has become addicted to worry and fear. It seems as though that's the driving force between everything we, behind everything we hear is worry and fear. And you watch the news or you read the headlines or you go online and everything is about worry about this. Be afraid of that. Be concerned about this that's going on. I, I thought We've run out of things to worry about. And then this past week, what did I start seeing on the news? The same thing you did. You need to worry because there are UFOs. There are aliens among us. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Now listen, don't let me be too humorous about this because there are some things going on in the world we need to be very concerned about. There are things that are happening within our nation. There are things that are happening within corporations within our nation. There are times when we are being told biblical faith has no place in the world anymore. And whatever you do, if you're going to claim to be a Christian, do not claim to be a biblical Christian. And we worry about what in the world is going on in this world, in our nation, in our community. 
in our homes. Reminds me that as committed believers, we live and follow Christ in a very real world. And people don't need to just hear everything's okay. Sometimes we need to know this is how you make it in a challenging world. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. When we talk about this whole concept of the fact that we need to pray, we need to pray desperately, we do need to pray. And we need to pray desperately, and we need to pray for the things that are wrong with our world, but we need to pray more about the things that are wrong in our own lives. And we need to pray that we might have a fresh vision of what God can do, and we need to pray, Lord, help me to make it through this world because here's the truth and this is what I want to share with you this morning it's time to answer a very basic question in our lives what does God expect from people who live in a very uncertain world because you know what if you read your Bible and you look at what scripture has to tell us the world has always been the way that it is. The world has always been a place where people struggle with sin. The world has always been a place where Satan has been in conflict with God's people. The world has always been a place where believers have found themselves surrounded by people who don't think the way we think and that don't do the things we do and don't live the way we live. That's not called something unusual that's happened over the last few years. It's called that's life on planet earth. And we need to know what does God expect from people who live in a world like ours. And the answer may surprise you. It's an answer that comes from Psalm 92. It says this, In a world where everything around you seems to be crumbling apart, this is what God expects you to do. He expects you to flourish. He expects you to flourish in the midst of a difficult day. Not survive, not endure, not make the best of. Flourish. The world has always been an upside down world. And as long as we walk on planet earth, we're going to find ourselves in the midst of upside down people and upside down beliefs and upside down cultures. And that's just the way it is when you live in a fallen world. The world, uh, we are not in a place where things are ever going to be perfect. You know, sometimes we say to ourselves, if we could just fix this, if we could just fix that, if we could just change this, then everything would be okay. But let me tell you something. You're always going to live in a world where bad things can happen, where life is not fair, where you have to question the reason for some of the things that are going on in your own life. It's just always going to be that way. And it is in just that kind of world that the Lord expects his children to thrive. So this morning, I want to take some time from the Word of God, and I want to talk to you about how you can thrive in the midst of a broken world. And when you practice your walk with God through your personal prayers, this is how God calls you to flourish. The first thing you need to know is this. Thriving starts by trusting his plan. I need to make sure you understand what the term flourish means in the Bible. You see, flourish has nothing to do with material abundance. 
It doesn't even mean having that cherry tomato, Rich, that came from that $87 box. By the way, my plastic one cost me $34, but that's, <laughs> that's a story for another day. I'm sure there's a spiritual lesson there somewhere. You know, we already know that flourish is something that has nothing to do with material abundance. It's not about what do I have or what can I lay my hands on or what can I hang on to. Uh, just a, a couple of days ago, I was part of Miss Burtis Jones' message and I heard another preacher who talked about the fact that when you pass away, you leave behind everything you have and you carry forward everything you are. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? That's what abundance is all about. You carry forward what you are, but you leave behind what you have. The Bible is not promising that you're always going to be happy. It's not even that saying that things you won't face incredibly difficult seasons in your life. And there are plenty of folks in this room today who could testify to that, could testify to the fact that being a faithful believer doesn't mean you're not going to go through some really tough times. Flourishing is more than just having hold of something that you can hang on to. Psalm 92.7 rejects all of those easy definitions of what it means to flourish. It says a superficial understanding of what it means to flourish is about as trustworthy as the grass that's here today and gone tomorrow. And that's how he describes folks that are depending on things other than the Lord. You may flourish for a minute. You may seem to be winning the day for a short time, but eventually your will have come and you will have gone, and nothing will really have changed. God's plan is much deeper than any of those things. When the Lord describes a flourishing person, it has a lot more to do with what is happening inside of you than outside of you. So what does it mean to flourish? To flourish is to be in a nourishing, growing relationship with Jesus Christ, something that keeps growing no matter what is happening around you. To flourish doesn't depend upon circumstances. Flourishing doesn't depend upon what you can hold in your hands. Flourishing doesn't mean you're succeeding the way the world says success is defined. Instead, to flourish is to be in a relationship with Jesus that works all the time, every time. It's there for you when you're, everything is going your way. It's there for you when you are struggling. It's there when you're not sure where to turn next and what to do because you recognize it's not about what's going on around me. It's about what's happening inside of me that matters. And God's plan is that everyone who trusts him have a flourishing spiritual life. Listen to what the Bible says in Psalm 92. It says, the righteous shall flourish. Later it says, he shall grow. He shall bear fruit. He shall be fresh and flourishing. Not might, not should, not ought to, shall. That's God's plan for your life. That's why God calls us to rich prayer. 
God calls us because he wants to work within us to cause us to flourish. And one of the things you discover is that the more you pray, the more you want to pray. The more time you spend with God, the more you need time with God. And somehow what happens is that definition of prayer also moves from shall and ought to and maybe will to this is the richest part of my life. This is when I am investing myself in my relationship with Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ does within me when I spend time in prayer talking to him becomes who I am and how I stand no matter what may be going on around me. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, hear this one sentence. When your life is right with him, you will flourish. Period. When your life is right with him, you will flourish. When your life is not right with him, there's no way you're going to flourish. Not for long. God's plan is that the normal Christian life be growing and thriving in every situation. And that happens when you're ready for the Lord to have his way in your life. But that's not all the Bible is telling us. The Bible is telling us something else that has to do with a flourishing Christian life. And it is this. God's plan is a process. A flourishing life doesn't happen overnight. That's the point the Bible is making when it contrasts these two kinds of people. It says the wicked spring up like grass. But the righteous flourish like the palm and the cedar trees. You know, grass will come up in an instant. If you're like me, you're hoping that that rain comes in later on today because my grass is probably just like your grass. It is crunchy. I looked at it the other day and thought, because you know I love to cut grass, and I looked at it and I thought if I cut it, I'd kill it. But you know what's going to happen if it rains today? What's tomorrow going to look like? That lawn is going to be flourishing and green. It will come up almost instantly. But it will be here today and gone tomorrow. That's not the way a tree grows, is it? A tree takes years to come to its full potential. And the same thing is true of your spiritual life. When the Lord grows a soul... He takes his time. You know, all of us, I think, wish there were some kind of instant way to just become a super Christian. I wish that I could go to bed tonight and wake up tomorrow and be more spiritual than I've ever been in my life, have a deeper relationship with the Lord than I've ever had before. But it just doesn't work that way. The Lord's more concerned with getting things right than getting things fast. Psalm 92 says there are three seasons in a growing spiritual life. The first season is this, the season of surrender. That's when you decide to let God have his way with you. Verse 13 says, those who are planted. You know, no tree ever planted itself. Not a flourishing tree anyway. 
You know, I spent a number of years in a place where forestry was the main industry of that area. And I learned a lot about forestry back then. And I learned from those guys who did logging for a life, uh, for a living, that, you know, there are those trees that you plant and they're going to grow quickly and they'll be useful in just a few years. And then there are those others that you go back and you reforce the, the, those uh, hardwoods that are going to be of great value someday, but it's going to take a lot longer to get there. And I learned that foresters really think about how are we going to plant this forest so that it will be most productive for the longest period of time. And, and I learned that they're very intentional about what goes where and when. And so is the Lord. Because just as no tree ever planted itself, no soul ever grew itself. It has to surrender to the hands of the master gardener. Has to surrender to the one who knows what he's doing and is very intentional about what he is doing in your life. And that may be why sometimes you go through seasons and you don't understand what God is doing. And sometimes you endure things and you can't figure out why. But if you knew the master plan, it would all make sense. And so we pray. We pray prayers of submission and surrender recognizing that when God takes you and plants you and nourishes you, you can only thrive. You will grow according to his plan. That's why James 1.21 tells you to receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Receive with meekness. I don't like that word. Do you like that word? I don't like that word, meekness. I like strength. I like independence. But the Bible says we're to receive it with meekness. You know what that means? That means accepting the fact that you can't do it. I can't do it. I have to receive the implanted word. God does what only God can do. And the season of surrender is when you finally face the facts. Without Christ, I'm going to wither and die. I'll be here today and gone tomorrow. And the only way he's ever going to bless me is when I trust him and I surrender to him. A season of surrender. Then there's a second season that Psalms tells us about. It says there's a season of growth. That's the season when God is actively at work changing you from the inside out. You know, too many of us think that our Christian walk is determined by the externals of our life. Going to the right place, doing the right things, showing up at the right time, saying the right words. But God says real growth only happens on the inside First, the most important part of a flourishing life is what is happening in you where nobody can see what's going on except the Lord. Your tomato was just a vine. And then it was a bloom. And then, according to God's design, 
it became a fruit. That's kind of what the Lord does. In that season of growth, he takes sometimes that potential that only he can see. And he begins to go to work. And he does things inside of you that someday are going to reveal themselves on the outside. But not yet. The most important thing is to recognize what God is doing inside is the most important thing. And it's often during the season of growth that the Lord allows you to go through times of struggle and hardship and pain. Strangely enough, when God is growing you, maybe some of the times when he challenges you the most. It may be one of those times when you're most tempted to think, where is the Lord? You know what he's doing? He's helping you grow deep roots. He's helping you to become deeply established in him read a book several years ago I love it lessons from a Venetian vine dresser written by an author named Robert Scott Steiner Scott Steiner was a missionary in Italy and he lived next door to a man named Aldo and Aldo was a fifth generation vine dresser who lived right next door to where Scott Steiner was. And Scott Steiner talked about how he took John 15, that story of where Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And he watched how his neighbor tended his vines and learned so many things about what Jesus was teaching in John 15. One of the things that Scott Steiner noticed was that during a time of dryness and drought, all of the neighbors in the vineyards around his friend Aldo were making sure that they irrigated their vines deeply. But Aldo didn't do it. This fifth generation vine dresser wasn't smart enough to know you need to water your vines. And he asked him about it one day. And you know what he told him? He said, you don't understand. He said, all of these folks who were doing this they're preventing their vines from growing deep roots. And that means the quality of the fruit is not going to be what it might have been if they left it to go through hardship and allowed the vine to flourish when the rains came. Do you know the Lord does that in your life sometimes? Sometimes he lets you go through dry seasons so that your roots will grow deeper as you become more dependent. And what is going on is you are growing. It may not feel like it at the moment, but you're growing. That's one of those times when your prayers take on real depth because you're talking to God about very personal things that are very challenging and very painful and you know, I've got to depend upon the Lord. And that's why in that season of growth, sometimes we may struggle to make it through that time because it takes us beyond superficial belief and helps us develop a strong faith in Jesus. So there's the season of surrender and there's the season of growth and then 
Psalms tells us there is the season of fruitfulness. And fruitfulness never comes until after the season of growth. And that's when the evidence of your faith begins to reveal itself to the people around you. People begin to notice that you're walking with Christ. They recognize his presence in you. He leads you to places where your life can make a difference for him. And he uses you and your life begins to bear fruit. I was thinking about that this morning as I was getting ready to come to church. Harrison, I didn't know I'd see you this morning. But you know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about one of the great blessings that God has given me over the course of my ministry is that every church I've served from First Baptist Clanton to today, God has called someone into ministry. And I've gotten to see them ordained and I've gotten to see them serve. And it's happened in each church. And we got to see it with you just a few months ago. And here's the other thing that just took my breath a little bit. Not only have I in each church seen God call someone into ministry and been able to be part of their ordination as they began to serve the Lord. But as I look back over these last 40 years or so, almost all of them are still actively serving God, pastoring churches, leading people, serving Christ. That's fruitfulness. That's fruitfulness. What a privilege it is just to be a witness to what God is doing in the lives of people. In John 15, 16, Jesus said, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. During that season of fruitfulness, the most satisfying season of all, it makes the struggles and the obstacles worth it. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's God going to work in and through my life. There's one last thing we need to see, and it's simply this. And you can't pick and choose the seasons of faith. God's uh, plan requires them all. Here's the thing. It is impossible to go straight to the season of fruitfulness and skip the season of surrender. You can't experience growth, then hide your fruit. You have to walk through each and every step. You have to go through those seasons of surrender and the seasons of growth, and then you get to the season of fruitfulness. You have to walk through them all. But when you do, Christ has given you a promise. You will have a Christian walk that will not fail. I love what David said in verse 14 of Psalm 92. This is what he said. They shall still, uh, they shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. They'll still be bearing fruit as the years go by. As time takes its place. As they continue to grow in Christ. There's never that time where the Lord says. That's it. You're done. 
until he says, come home. God's plan for you is a plan for a lifetime. Through good and bad, when it's easy, when it's hard, he's promised he'll never leave you or forsake you. There's never a time when he will take his hand off of your life when you have surrendered to him. So there's nothing more important you can do than to simply say, Lord Jesus, I put my life in your hands. I surrender. Take me. Teach me. Use me. And someday, Lord, as I am faithful to you, you will bear fruit and I'll get to be a witness to what God alone can do. We live in an upside-down world. Aren't you glad we serve a right-side-up Savior? Let's place our lives in his hands. Maybe you're here today and surrender is exactly what you need to do because you're not a Christian. I'm not saying you don't believe the words you've heard about Jesus and about his saving power, but I'm saying there's never been that time when you said to Jesus Christ, I surrender. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. Save me. Maybe today you're here and as we sing our invitation hymn, it will be exactly the time you need to come forward. I would love to meet you here. I would love to introduce you to the Savior. Or maybe you're here today and you're recognizing, you know, part of what God is doing during this season of growth in my life is he wants me to plant myself right here at First Baptist Church. I want to become a part of what he's doing in this fellowship. And maybe today is the day you bring your membership to this place. Maybe you're here as a believer and you're recognizing God is dealing with me in some very specific ways. He is challenging me. He is encouraging me. He is calling me. And it's time for me to surrender. And so you want to come and simply say, pray with me as I surrender to God's calling on my life. Is there a decision you need to make? We're going to stand and sing as we sing our invitation hymn. As the Holy Spirit deals with your heart, you come. Let's stand.
Now this morning, because we did spend a little special time with Harrison and Nikita, we didn't have that time to reach across the aisles and greet one another. But we have a number of folks who are visiting with us today. So you find the folks around you and let them know how glad you are that they were here in worship this morning. And we would appreciate that. And Harrison and Nikita, I'm going to ask you all to make your way out to the lobby so you can have a chance to say goodbye to them. Nikita loves it when I put her on the spot. And, uh, but you're going to want to go by and just let them know you're going to be praying for them and thinking about them. And uh, we are so glad that we had the Hopkins with us today. And we always love hearing everything about Campbellsville University. And we're so glad that the Lord's put you there as President Joe. We, we miss you here. We're grateful that the Lord's put Jeff where he is to follow in your footsteps. But I want to ask you if you'd make your way to the pulpit and just say our closing prayer before we sing one last song. And while he goes, I do have one last special word for my wife. I was finished at 1125. (laughs) All right. Joe, will you pray for us? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a gift to be here today. Uh, Let us not take for granted the opportunity to be a part of this fellowship and to hear your words spoken so clearly and so powerfully. We thank you for the music that has challenged us to praise you for all that you are. And today we ask a special blessing upon Harrison and Nikita. God, I love the fact that uh, that, that word is commissioning. Uh, because truly you have commissioned him and this church has commissioned him. And God, we pray for them as they are now commissioned Uh, into the rank of officer, but also commissioned to carry your gospel to those who serve in in a place of uh, protection for all of us. Thank you, God, for the blessing of being here today and help us to, to leave this place now different than we entered, more like you and ready to serve you. In your name we pray. Amen.